Welcome, everyone, to the Take Control of Your Health podcast. This is Dr. Mercola bringing you the latest cutting-edge interviews to help you achieve optimal health. You can receive more information by subscribing to my free daily newsletter at Mercola.com. Thank you so much for listening. So let's get started with this week's latest program to help you and your family take control of your health. Now, this is Dr. Mercola, and I believe this is one of the most important lectures I've ever given with respect to helping you understand just how important resistance exercises are to not only slowing down the aging process, but improving your overall metabolic health. Now, almost all of us know how exercise is so important, but most of us don't implement this knowledge because studies have shown that over 75% of us over the age of 65 simply do not exercise enough to stay healthy. But the key, the key is to understand the type of exercise that will give you the greatest benefit for the time that you invest. Now, I've loved exercise and I've been exercising for over 55 years now, but the first 40 years I focused on cardio exclusively as I read the book Aerobics by Ken Cooper, who was a, a physician with the Air Force and NASA who helped develop their exercise program. And at that time, there weren't many extra people exercising and it wasn't a fad and there were far fewer adults out there, even more so than the, than the number I said, probably 95%. Now, if we we, why do we need exercise? If, if we, 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 ideally we don't, because if we engage in hard physical labor for our employment, we wouldn't need exercise. Formal exercises are only needed because most of us have long ago abandoned and stopped engaging in manual labor. And modern society has allowed us to purchase food and shelter with relatively little effort. So, we need to exercise to compensate for this if we ever hope to optimize our physical health. Now, I want to share with you my experience so you don't have to make the same mistakes I did once I understood this over five decades ago. Now, to me, the evidence is crystal clear that is that as you age, you need to engage in some type of resistance training to compensate for that degeneration that typically accompanies aging and decreased physical activity. Now, you could do cardio if you have the time, but not, not at the expense of building lean muscle mass. This is largely because aging accelerates muscle loss. Now, we have a term for that medicine. It's called sarcopenia. Also, many of you may have heard of it, but let me tell you where the word is derived from. It comes from the Greek words sarx, which means flesh, and penia, which means poverty. So as you get older, almost each and every one of us will invariably start uh, lowering our muscle mass. And if you fail to engage in resistance exercises, you will likely suffer pretty significant metabolic consequences as a result of this. Now, just to give you an idea of how prevalent sarcopenia is, by the time we are 60 years old, 25% of us have it. And nearly two-thirds of those over 80 have lost serious amounts of muscle mass. So what? Well, because what is because sarcopenia has profound impact on your health, your independence, and your quality of life. Sarcopenia leads to many functional limitations, including difficulties in walking, climbing stairs, 
and carrying objects. And the penalties of this functional decline includes falls, disability, even going into institutions, and even death. Now, frailty is uh, hits home for me because both of my parents died from it. And typically, frailty is a result of sarcopenia, losing muscle mass as you're aging and not uh, providing some intervention to stop that decline. But it, there are other consequences other than physical consequences. There are metabolic consequences because your muscles are actually an endocrine organ. And I know we don't think of them that typically, but they secrete cytokines, or in the case of muscle, we call them myokines into your bloodstream that have profound metabolic consequences. As I said, both my parents passed away from frailty. Thankfully, they listened to my medical advice and avoided using any drugs, and they were not killed by the medical system like so many of us are. But life circumstances eventually allowed them to collapse into an inactive state. And this resulted in them dying prematurely, even though they were in their 80s. I believe they could have lived far longer if we had addressed the frailty. So this was a powerful motivation for me to deeply study this topic so I could avoid what happened to my parents. And I want you to avoid it all also because you don't have to have functional decline in your muscle mass as you age. So... Let's get back to the metabolic consequences because many don't understand that skeletal muscle not only manages your physical activity, but it also plays a major role in your metabolism, circulation, and the way your brain works. Now, it's important to realize that your skeletal muscle is the most abundant tissue in your body, and it comprises about half of your body mass, half of your body mass. Now, if you're morbidly obese, it's going to be a lot less, but if you're relatively healthy, it's half your body mass is your muscle. So it wouldn't make sense to take care of them and provide them with the uh, resources they need to stay healthy. Now, the primary way, and many people don't understand this, but the primary way your body lowers your blood sugar after you eat is your muscles. Sure, insulin, the hormone we all know that helps control blood sugar, it helps, but it's primarily the glucose receptors embedded in the cell membranes of your muscles that help lower your blood sugar after a meal. In fact, after you eat, about 80% of the sugar in your blood is deposited in your skeletal muscle. And it's the loss of this muscle mass uh, as you age that is thought to be the primary driver of insulin resistance. I've talked about insulin resistance a lot in the past, and most of you understand that it's one of the primary drivers of chronic degenerative disease. Not the only one, certainly, but a big one. Uh, and the reason why skeletal muscle is, is so important here is because the muscle, the muscle is the major tissue where insulin causes your blood sugar to be absorbed. But it, it doesn't stop there because uh, once your body runs out of sugar and the sugar is stored in your body in the form of glycogen, which is a polymer of sugars, and typically it's almost exclusively stored in your liver and your muscle, but the sugar in your muscle can't leak out and go into your bloodstream. Only the sugar in your liver can do that. So, but nevertheless, since your muscles comprise about 50% of your body tissue, if you, if you have low sugar levels in your muscle, it's going to be a problem and you will have consequences. So uh, interestingly, muscle is also the main energy users, user of fat in your body. Now, 
uh, another fact about muscles is that it has immune regulatory properties and it modulates your immune function by signaling through different cell-to-cell interactions. So I've given you a little information about that many of you, I suspect, weren't aware of, of what your muscle functions are and the, the loss of function that most all of us experience as we age. And you're probably wondering, well, what can we do to stop this progressive decline in muscle loss that sets you and your family up for frailty and metabolic catastrophe? Well, the answer is simple. Exercise, of course. But here's uh, a not well-known extraordinary factoid. Despite the well-known benefits of resistance training and exercise likely being the most powerful anti-aging intervention strategy you can have, less than 10% of us over the age of 75 years actually engage in muscle strengthening exercises. Now, I believe one of the main reasons for this low rate of uh, adoption is that over half of the people engaging in conventional resistance training develop injuries when they engage in resistance training. So another reason might be is that this is just a function of physiology, especially aging physiology, is that conventional exercise training for muscle growth is considerably less effective when you are elderly compared to when you're younger. Thankfully, there's a solution to this dilemma, and it is called blood flow restriction training, or BFR for short. Now, BFR is a training method that uses inflatable um, mini blood pressure-like cuffs that partially restricts the arterial flow into your arm or legs, and it re- while at the same time restricting the venous return to your heart. And it's not a tourniquet, however, and it doesn't stop all the blood flow. Otherwise, there would be no blood flow to your extremity, which is very dangerous and can cause severe complications. Now, BFR was first developed by uh, Dr. Sato in Japan about 50 years ago, and he derived a term for it called katsu. It's K-A-A-T-S-U. And it's a Japanese word that means training without, with added additional pressure. And it's pretty popular in Japan. However, this is a complication. Dr. Sato does not speak or write English very well. So the even though he developed it 50 years ago, the first article published in the English language was only about 25 years ago. And it really didn't make its way over to the United States until the early 2000s, maybe even not until like 2010. So it's relatively new in the United States. And there's many derivatives of it, and I'll talk about some of them in a moment. But conventional resistance training typically uh, uses uh, a resistance or weight uh, of about 70 to 85% of your one rep max. And that's simply a term that's used to describe how what's the the, the the highest weight that you could possibly do in one move with only one movement. So if you could lift more than it's not your one rep max, if you can, if you can't lift it, obviously that's not your one rep max. So uh, it's not that hard to figure out. And normally when you're going to work out, you're going to do a set of 10 uh, at somewhere between 70, 85% of your one rep max. Uh, but this weight for many people can be relatively heavy and, and, um, it almost guarantees injuries if you're if you're going to be working out routinely. That's why BFR is such a radical innovation. 
uh, because it it doesn't use 70 to 85% of your one rep max. It uses 20 to 35%. So your risk of injury, which as I mentioned earlier, is one of the primary reasons why people don't engage or continue to engage in this, this activity is almost eliminated. Uh, so if you're elderly uh, and uh, that involves very low weights of either a pound or two, or sometimes even just your body weight. So you would be doing a bicep curl just with, with no weight at all. And that's going to be sufficient to generate the metabolic benefits and improve muscle strength and, and growth. And uh, which is, which, which is why BFR is such an amazing development. So now you understand that BFR will not injure you while you gain muscle mass Let's dive into exactly how it works because it's pretty fascinating. And I think if you understand the science and the biology and physiology of it, it will excite you to participate in this like, like I was excited when I first learned about this about five years ago. Now, to understand the mechanism of BFR, you need to know that you have essentially two basic types of muscle fibers. The first one is the type one fiber. And these are called the slow twitch or they're oxidative and they primarily work uh, burning fat primarily. So for this is for low intensity, long lasting contractions or like long distance running. The second one would be the fast twitch and they're called glycolytic or type two fibers. And there's some subtypes of that, but the, for, for this purpose, that's just, you know, those basically breaks down to two types. And these type two fibers are where the gold is. And they're designed for high intensity, short duration contractions. And they uh, are actually what's responsible for you increasing your muscle mass. Because when you lose muscle, it typically occurs, not always, but almost always occurs as a reduction in your type two muscle fibers. Now, if you're going to increase muscle mass and strengthen you, especially if you're elderly, it's important to activate these type two muscle fibers when you train, since these fibers have been shown to be the most responsive to growing muscle. So type one fibers, they're are relatively more sensitive than type two fibers to hypoxia or low blood oxygen. That's going to be an important term, hypoxia, because it, it really helps you understand why the system of BFR works. Um, so BFR takes a training, takes advantage of this difference because it produces a relatively hypoxic or low oxygen environment in your muscles when you've got the bands Con, uh, constricted around your working muscles, uh, they're not going to get as much blood. So they're going to have low blood oxygen. And that results in premature fatigue of the type one fibers. And it forces your body to rely on the type two fibers to continue to exercise. And that's the trick because it takes a lot of effort to activate these type two fibers. And normally if you're just simply walking, you're not going to activate them. You're just going to hit your type one fiber. So the key is to figure out how to inter intervene and, and engage in exercise that you can activate these type two fibers. So when you set the circumstance that you, by, by engaging in BFR, you uh, can fire these type two fibers pretty easily. And you also activate um, the their associated stem cells because the way that you get the, the type two fibers to grow and multiply is you have to have stem cells. And actually... Uh, they're called satellite cells, but we'll just call them for refer to them as stem cells here. And, and most of this, the uh, type two fibers or groups of fibers have these associated stem cells. And we believe this is one of the primary reasons why BFR can trigger such aggressive muscle growth and prevent or treat sarcopenia. 
Now, when you exercise with your limbs having a restricted blood supply, uh, you force and activate these type two muscle fibers and they generate a waste product because they're using primarily glucose to generate energy. And glucose uh, is broken down into pyruvate and then it's metabolized into uh, lactate or lactic acid. Um, and this is what, this is how, this is, this is one of the two metabolic pathways your body has for producing energy. It can either uh, burn glucose directly or it can burn it indirectly by passing it to the Krebs cycle and the mitochondria. But the type two fibers really don't rely on mitochondria as much as they do glycolysis inside the, the cell. So activating the type two fibers also lowers the pH of your muscle. And that, but you would think it would be due to lactic acid, but it's not because in the process of generating this energy, you also generate extra po protons and protons are of course acidic. So this is what uh, causes the increase in, in uh, acidity. So wh why am I telling you all this science? What, what, yeah, I mean, the, what's the reason? Well, it's important to know this because you have lactate and protons accumulate. They're potent, really potent stimulators of growth hormone and, and another hormone called IGF-1 or insulin-like growth factor. Now, which is another potent catalyst to increase your muscle size. And um, it actually IGF-1 is a hormone that helps manage the growth hormone in your body. And if you're interested in growing your muscles, it's going to be great to have your body produce more growth hormone for your muscles. But notice I said your body produce more. I didn't say inject growth hormone because growth hormone is far, is now nowhere near safe and a lot more expensive than having your body do it. Normally it's kind of hard to have your body make growth hormone, but when you engage in this, this innovation and new technique of BFR, it becomes relatively easy. Now, IGF-1 is typically made by your liver, and it's the largest contributor to uh, IGF-1 circulating in your blood. However, when your liver makes IGF-1, it will not act on those tissues that have capabilities of producing the IGF-1 by itself, like your muscle. And this is important because we know that elevated circulating levels of IGF-1 are not a really a good thing to have. In fact, many people really focus on lowering your IGF-1 in your blood. But when you your muscles make it and stays locally in the muscles and it works to increase the muscle, then it's the cat's meow. That is exactly what you're looking for. And it's not going to have adverse consequences on your, uh, on your longevity. Now, remember what I told you earlier, conventional exercise training for muscle growth is considerably less effective when you're elderly when then compared to your younger. Why is this? Well, this, this is called a blunted anabolic response. And anabolism is simply the term we use to describe building muscles. Uh, so this blunted anabolic response is likely the result of a decrease in the perfusion, the blood flow supply to your muscle fibers. So this, in fact, has been known for quite some time. There was a physician who was referred to as the English Hippocrates. His name was Thomas Sidenheim. And he was around about 400 years ago. He, he recognized and understood this, that your vascular health, your blood vessels and aging are interdependent and inversely related. In fact, he, he has a quote that's attributed to him, which is, which, is, which is really apt here. And that is that a man is as old as his arteries. Okay, so the microcirculation is a term that we use to describe blood flow through the, through the capillaries. 
And the main function of your microcirculation is simply to deliver oxygen and other nutrients uh, to, to these tissues while removing metabolic waste products and debris, toxins, and, and uh, things like carbon dioxide. So the key here is to understand that these, these type 2 muscle fibers and their associated stem cells, they, as you get older, the, 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 their distance to the microcirculation increases. And as, as a result, they're unable to acquire the nutrients they require they, uh, require to grow and become healthy. So the key is to make sure that your vascular circulation is really effective. So, and there's an, uh, a large number of circulating growth factors that are regulators of stem, stem cell function and the delivery of these signals to activate your muscle stem cells and, and, act, and type two muscle fiber growth is, is really related and dependent upon uh, the proximity to these blood vessels. Once your microcirculation becomes compromised with age, type two muscle fibers and their associated stem cells will be unable to receive enough nutrients and oxygen. The, this is where the beauty of, B, of blood flow of BFR comes in because it's been well proven to increase a hormone, which you may or may not have heard of before. It's called VEGF. And that's uh, short for vascular uh, blood vessel, endothelium, which are the cells that line the blood vessel tubes, growth factor. So it's it's really a, uh, a f- like fertilizer for your blood blood vessels. When you when you've got more VEGF, it's going to grow blood vessels. In fact, it can be pathologic too because many cancers or tumors actually have elevated levels of VEGF, and in that case, it's it's not good. But for most people, as they age assuming they don't have any other cancer metabolic disorders, it's it's exactly what you need. It's going to solve the issue of making sure your body has enough nutrition to your, to your uh, type 2 muscle fiber stem cells. So the VEGF is also going to help repair any damage that has occurred to your blood vessels and improves its elasticity. It makes your blood vessels far more resilient to damage and, access, and accidents. So here we get back to that t- term again, hypoxia or low blood oxygen, because that, why is that important? Because this is one of the primary stimulants for your body to express VEGF. Now it does this primarily through another metabolic uh, component called HIF1-alpha, which is short for uh, hypoxia inducible factor one, uh, one or 1A is the primary one, but there are other HIF, HIFs available too, but HIF1-alpha is probably the primary one. And um, BFR is an incredibly useful tool to help your body restore its microcirculation to these muscle fi- type two muscle fibers. And in fact, so effective, it can increase your muscle stem cell by over 300%. That is mind blowing, 300% just after a week of training. Now here's the key point. This bed jet that's released by BFR is systemic. And it's carried in your bloodstream to your entire body. So even though you're working out your extremities, your arms or your legs, you're going to generate this hormone VEGF and it's going to be released into your whole system. So it's actually going to increase blood vessel growth throughout your entire body, which seems to be the absolute ideal, nearly perfect antidote for Dr. Sidenheim's quote, a man is as old as his arteries. So BFR will help aging men have the arteries of boys. 
But it doesn't stop there. It gets even better because there's a load of interest now in NAD. And I've given lectures on or given did interviews on that with um, Dr. Nicola Conlon from the UK. And you can look that up on my Substack site. And, and we talk about how NAD is a primary fuel for your longevity proteins. And as you age, it becomes depleted. Uh, but BFR can serve an incredibly important role here because it helps activate the, the rate-limiting enzyme to make your body make NAD. It's called NAMPT, and this is the rate-limiting enzyme for NAD. And if you, as long as you're taking that with like 50 milligrams of niacinamide or vitamin 3 by 3 powder a day, you know, three times a day, and uh, honoring your circadian rhythm, you can you don't need expensive NAD supplements. You 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 can have your body make it like it's supposed to, and uh, you know get and reap all the benefits of having uh, uh, sufficient NAD levels. Now, another factor that can be an issue here is metabolic stress, and that's simply what happens when you accumulate metabolites during an exercise. And uh, this is an, uh, another factor that's uh, been determined to really really important for muscle growth. We were talking about lactate as being one of those. Uh, so trainings, which when you're engaging in BFR, you're going to produce more lactate because your type two fibers are simply burning glucose and they're converting it to pyruvate. So, and then the pyruvate is metabolized to lactate and that builds up. Now, when you include the, the veins in your in BFR, this limits the venous blood flow back to the heart because there's an occlusion there and it's just harder to get through. Uh, so as a result, this lactate tends to accumulate to high concentrations in your muscle. And this is important to know because this, when this lactate accumulates locally in your muscles, it creates an osmotic, osmotic pressure differential that requires your body to compensate for that by putting water into the tissues. And you, as you can see by this figure, the osmotic pressure is the pressure that must be applied to a solution to halt the flow of, of solvent molecules through a semi-permeable membrane. That we call it osmosis. And it's simply determined by how many molecules are in the solution. And lactate is a molecule, and it provides more osmotic pressure. So as a result, water has to flow into from your, your uh cellular spaces and it flows into the cell to, to compensate for that osmotic, the higher osmotic pressure inside the cell. So, uh, and this is actually this flow of water into your muscle cells is what contributes to this intracellular swelling, which creates uh, a, a, a noticeable increase in the size of your mus muscles. That's pretty obvious when you look at it. Uh, and the mechanical pressures created by this cell swelling also triggers the activation of the uh, type two muscle fiber stem cells, which causes your muscles to grow, which is what we're after because we want to prevent frailty and sarcopenia. So, and this increases muscle protein synthesis and, and muscle and decreases the muscle breakdown. So the higher the lactate levels and swelling created with BFR training, the better the muscle building results are going to be. And this may be confusing because many people believe that, uh, and traditionally was, was viewed that lactate was a metabolic waste product. But it, today, we have a better understanding. We realize that lactate is an important uh, molecule that is responsible for many metabolic processes. It results in uh, structural adaptations. Uh, it, and in fact, it's even referred to as a pseudohormone. So it, interestingly, some of the lactate 
that's produced locally in your muscles actually diffuses into your bloodstream when you when the when the blood flow restriction bands are released and crosses your blood brain barrier into your brain through something called a monocarboxylate transporter. And this lactate is brain fuel, absolute brain fuel. And in fact, you can get lactate concentrations up to 60%. Uh, in, in your in uh, in your brain that it can fuel your brain. Now your your brain is absolutely going to need glucose, but you can get fuel from lactate and from ketones. Now, um, so why is this important? Because you know we all are concerned about our cognitive abilities as we age, and when the lactate seeps into your brain and increases, this is going to stimulate another important protein. It's a neurotrophic factor. It's called BDNF. It's brain-derived neurotrophic factor. And it's going to contribute to neuroplasticity, which greatly improves your brain functioning. So let me now go into some of the details and dive into how you can actually implement this. I first learned about BFR five or six years ago in 2017 at a biohacking event in Beverly Hills. And I've been using it nearly every day since then for about an hour, sometimes two, maybe even three hours a day. And I've compiled a lot of experience and interesting insights that I think you would benefit. And it's actually these insights I've acquired over the years that motivated me to compile this video and help consolidate the science and help you understand the science so that you have a, a fundamental, rational uh, perspective on, how, on how, what you can do to how to implement this. So in, 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 at this event, I was really intrigued with the concept and I actually purchased a, a Katsu unit. Um, this, this was the, the brand that Dr. Kusato had developed from Japan. As I mentioned, he is the actual person, the innovator who, who d- discovered blood flow restriction training. And um, this Katsu device actually produces it's a compressor, so it pumps like a bicycle pump. It pumps air into the inflated cuffs on the arms or the legs, and it and it produces uh, continues to inflate the cuffs for about thirty seconds. So after if it's inflated and it, it, it's a predetermined pressure, uh, which is totally customizable, and you can increase it as your level with this uh, training improves. But it goes on for thirty seconds and it shuts off for for five. And then it does this for eight cycles. And then you can do, uh, or eight times. And each time the pressure gets higher and higher. And after the eighth time, it stops and shuts down. And and it can go and repeat the cycle. And the newer units have the ability to repeat up to six cycles. So it'd be like 48 uh, up and down cycles. And what this does is it provides your muscles with an experience of intermittent hypoxia. And this catalyzes the, the, the steps and the, all the beneficial hormonal uh, responses that are as a result of this hypoxic stimulus. So, and when you have this 30 seconds, it's a very gentle intermittent hypoxia because it's not prolonged. It doesn't last for 10 minutes, 15, 20 minutes. So that the level of oxygen in your blood doesn't decrease to potentially dangerous levels. Uh, and the key is that this is intermittent uh, because what I've learned over the years is that, and what I, the mistake I made is that I was using uh, the Katsu because Katsu has two modes. One is called constant and the other is a cycling mode. And the cycling mode is the one you want to use. Now, because of the confusion, 
I thought, well, you know, I was actually using the concept of myself, but what I've learned over the last, actually over the last year, even that even though with a constant mode where you keeping the cuff inflated for a much longer periods, 10, 15, 20 minutes, uh, you will get the same benefits I described. But the problem is that there's a side effect that I wasn't told of. And I, I really uncovered myself is that the danger to doing that, it's not, I mean, it's, it's unlikely that we get a blood clot, but there, there, there is a, um, a physiological danger in that the, you'll get the muscle growth, but then fortunately the muscles tend not to be as healthy. It becomes more spastic and rigid. And even though they're larger and they're going to give you some benefits, it's not as, as healthy as a muscle that's doing it. That's where you get the pressure intermittently. And this makes perfect sense because when you have it in constant mode or if you're using cheap, because the other way to, to do blood flow restriction training is you can buy cheap bands, like $15 and you can put them on and wrap your arms with it and, you know, into, into the right pressure and you'll get some of the benefits, but the danger is that you don't, you're not going to get the intermittent component. So it's going to be one long session of hypoxia. Uh, and, and actually, so these, these hormonal benefit, the uh, factors that are generated during the exercise tend to, you're going to get more of them when you do it in cycling mode and you're going to have far less dangers, far less pain when you're doing the event. So I have come to the conclusion that I do not recommend the blood flow restriction bands that don't have the compression and the ability to do this cycle mode. So uh, I, I was inclined to do that because I really think this is such a powerful tool. And as I mentioned, I'm so fond of having tools and resources for people to address the disease that killed both my parents frailty uh that i, I thought they should do that so but you know it, so, so i'm recommending the katsu cycling mode not these cheap bands anymore or if even if you have katsu not to use the constant mode even though dr uh sato does recommend them for advanced people i just think it's too darn dangerous and i would not recommend it i want to mention here too that uh since i first started using the katsu about five years six years ago I gained about 25 pounds of muscle mass after the age of 65, which is pretty crazy. Or actually it was 63. That's when I first started. So, but it's still extraordinarily hard to do because of the normal decline in the perfusion to the uh, type two muscle fiber stem cells that I mentioned earlier. So the key is activating these hormonal factors like VEGF, uh, to act as fertilizer for your blood vessel growth so that you can nourish your muscle stem cells and then you give the resistance and you're going to get phenomenal results. So I, I really believe that the reason I was able to gain this lean muscle mass is because uh, two things. One is I'm eating enough protein, but secondly is because of the, the Katsu blood flow restriction training in, in cyclical mode. So if I'd only done conventional strength training, I still do conventional strength training. Believe me, I do. But I, I'm convinced from the literature and the previous uh, results of engaging in dimensional strength training prior to Katsu is that I would not have gained anywhere near as much as I have because I was doing strength training for at least five, maybe 10 years before I started doing Katsu. And uh, I did not get these types of results. So as I said, I think it's it's just really addressing the type 2 muscle fiber stem cells uh, and increasing that VEGF and getting well nourished. So so how do you, uh, you know, if you're convinced to get the, engage in this, I want to give you some things I've learned and how to do that. So if you had the, the Katsu system, um, I would 
definitely follow the instructions. And the instructions are you got to pick, you don't want to overdo it. You would definitely want to have a light, light weight. So you should be, you know, you put the, start with the low pressure and put the bands on and uh, probably start at low. And if you're, if you're an advanced trainer, you can certainly start with medium or high, but you, you don't, you just want to have a good experience with it and pick a, a weight that you can do at least 30 reps with. If you can, uh, and then because you're going to do that 30 rest, 30 reps, and then what you're going to want to do is rest before the next set. But here's the key, and this is what I learned. You don't want to rest too long. You only want to rest for about 10, maybe 15 seconds. And so just count to 10 while you're catching your breath, because one of the ways that you know you're engaging in effective exercise that's active in your type 2 muscle fibers is that you will start to sweat. And you start breathing real heavy, even though you might only be lifting a, a two or five pound weight, you will be, if you're not sweating, something's wrong because you're, you really should be sweating. And that's, that's how, you know, it's really working, but you want to want to minimize. So if you, you don't want to go to take a minute, two minutes, three minutes rest between these sets, you just want 10 seconds and you're going to do three sets. That's it. The first set is 30. Remember, it's low weight, high volume. You wait 10 seconds, and the next one is 20 reps, same weight, same activity. The, and the third one is like 10 or 15, then wait 10 seconds, and then do maybe five or 10. So you're getting doing four sets, actually four sets. And uh, and that's it. Now you can sometimes ideally, if you can do it with two two extremities, that's great, like a, with your legs or with your arms. So you do two bicep curls. There's some exercise you can just do with one. And so actually that brings another point. How do you find these exercises? Ideally you get a trainer so he can make sure that your form is good too. But there are, you know, I'm not a big fan of YouTube. Obviously they cancel me and deplatform me and I've got a lawsuit against them, but um, should, I'm hoping we're going to win, but, but it is a, a a phenomenal resource with respect to knowledge that's out there. So you can just search YouTube and you'll find lots and lots of good ways to build muscle training. Uh, so you, you know, you can use these exercises for your extremities, like uh, ones for your biceps and triceps and shoulders. Uh, and then, then there's certainly, certainly look for ones for your legs too, because your legs are your biggest muscle group in your body. The next biggest would be your back. So, when you engage in those exercises, it's going to be good. And you might thinking, well, what if I do a chest press? If you had a barbell and chest press, or even with dumbbells, and you're, you know, obviously you're you're putting the bands on your proximal arms closer to, to your shoulder. It's not restricting the blood flow to your chest at all, but it seems to work. It seems to get some metabolic benefits, even when even though you're not restricting the blood flow to your chest directly. And I don't understand the science of it. I don't think anyone does. But the, the end result is it tends to work better. But you got to do the whole thing. You can't do your regular bench press, whatever that is, and which you normally would do 10 and be exhausted. You want step, because that's like 70 to 85% of your one rep max. You want to go down to 20 to 35%. That's it. And I would, when you're starting, I would go down to 20%. So what does that mean? It means if you could do, take a, the most you can lift with a bicep curl would be 20 pounds. Well, what's what's twenty percent of twenty pounds? Four pounds. That's it. So nothing to be ashamed or embarrassed about because it's a long term. This is a marathon. This is that. This is a, it's not a sprint. So you just want to engage in those those uh, activities. And the other, so you, you're probably going to need some weights, and you you can definitely pick up some weights. You can get a whole pretty decent weight set 
is most people are not going to, you're not going to need more than 25 pounds. If you're really elderly, probably made not more than 10 pounds. And then I would definitely recommend getting a bench too, because the bench really uh, provides uh, another resource that allow you to engage in more, more specific, more or different types of exercise that you can't do without a bench. So, um, but the key here is to remember the short rest between it. And I also wanted to talk about, you know, what, it, what is, where is the Katsu? And I want to show you on the screen here. This is the first Katsu system I've got. Uh, and it costs $2,500. That may sound like a lot, but when you compare it to other types of equipment, you know, I mean, I've, I've paid more than $10,000 for lots of different equipment. Uh, and it, the, the previous Katsu unit before this was $10,000. So this was quite a radical improvement. But the good news is that they this is actually the newest version. There was a version before this, this is Katsu 3. And this thing is under $1,000. And, and uh, so I think it's one of the best bargains you can get out there. And in fact, if you go to uh, a link, I'm going to give you a link here where you can actually get this for 10% less. So if you use this link, so you don't have to pay retail for it, and then hopefully that will help you consider it. So I, I know, I understand that many of you, uh, this is a lot of money. I get it. I, this is the, one of the reasons why for the last four or five years, I was not pushing this that much. But now, since I've got all this experience in it, I'm beginning to really fully appreciate the value of this and the dangers of using the simple $15 band. So uh, if, if, the, the investment here is too much for you that I get it. Then understand. Then maybe just do the bands, but recognize that you're, you're no, not going to get anywhere near the benefit that you could have. And, and there's some of those potential dangers with it. But and if you can't afford to buy food or rent, I mean, this is obviously something that you're not going to be able to consider. Uh, but, but when you do blood flow restriction training, you're really going to effectively address one of the, the most pernicious challenges you're going to see your metabolic health. And that is your progressive loss of muscle mass, which can lead to frailty. So I strongly can encourage you to seriously consider engaging in some type of resistance exercise. And this is the kind of like the gold standards, blood flow restriction training uh, as you age. If you're a young person, you know, under 30, certainly even under 50, if you're in good shape, you don't need this. You don't need it. You 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 have enough perfusion to your muscle type two muscle fibers stem cells that you you can get the benefits without it. If you're over 50, 60, 70, the older you are, the more you need it because the, the, that perfusion just decreases almost every day unless you're engaged in some type of um, activity that's going to counter that. So this is where blood flow restriction becomes so 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 important. So I know so if you're if you're younger, then you don't need this, but I can guarantee a, a people in your life do and that would be your parents you know and and i missed this i totally missed it my parents both needed it and i did not i they actually passed away shortly before i learned of this and i didn't really get it so i and by then it was almost too late uh but uh i did so i wasn't able to use it for them i mean i can't remember the timing of when my parents passed but but it, but if your parents are alive and they're you know they're losing their muscle mass and they're becoming they've got diabetes like or overweight then this is this is definitely one of the key strategies you want to use as an exercise exercise is so vitally important nutrition counts too and this is why you want to avoid the seed oils and we talked a lot about that but I'm going to continue that here so hopefully this was helpful you've gotten the details you need to not only understand it but how to apply it and hopefully this will really 
seal up your understanding of how you can effectively counteract sarcopenia and the frailty that is so commonly associated with aging.